Welcome to worship once again tonight as we gather uh, via live stream to uh, gather around God's holy word, to hear from him and to have our hearts drawn even closer to him, preparing us for the week to come. As we approach our God in worship tonight, we hear these words from Psalm 97. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness and all the peoples see his glory. It is that great and glorious God who calls us to worship him this evening. People of God, our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. As we enter into the presence of our God tonight, I would like to read the words of number 399 in our Psalter hymnal. Again, next Lord's Day, we plan to actually have music once again. Tonight, I'm going to read the words of 399, a song about the kingship of Jesus Christ that is based on Psalm 72. Jesus shall reign where'er the sun does his successive journeys run his kingdom stretch from shore to shore till moons shall wax and wane no more. People and realms of every tongue dwell on his love with sweetest song, and infant voices shall proclaim their early blessings on his name. Let every creature rise and bring peculiar honors to our King. Angels descend with songs again, and earth repeat the loud amen. A psalm of praise to our great and glorious God and King Jesus Christ. As we gather together tonight, we know that what unites us is a common confession of faith. And tonight we make confession of that faith that we believe in a triune God. I will read the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe a holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Tonight for our psalm of praise, I am going to read Psalm 109. Uh, this is a, a little bit of a longer psalm tonight, and it is one of the imprecatory psalms. We're going to talk about imprecatory psalms in our ministry of the Word this evening. And so for now, I would like to read a Psalm 109, a psalm of David. 
Be not silent, O God of my praise, for wicked and deceitful mouths are opened against me, speaking against me with lying tongues. They encircle me with words of hate and attack me without cause. In return for my love, they accuse me, but I give myself to prayer. So they reward me evil for good and hatred for my love. Appoint a wicked man against him, that an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tried, let him come forth guilty, that his prayer be counted as sin. May his days be few. May another take his office. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children wander about and beg, seeking food far from the ruins they inhabit. May the creditors seize all that he has. May strangers plunder the fruits of his toil. Let there be none to extend kindness to him, nor any pity, nor any to pity his fatherless children. May his posterity be cut off. May his name be blotted out in the second generation. May the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord, and let not the sin of his mother be blotted out. Let them be before the Lord continually, that he may cut off the memory of them from the earth. For he did not remember to show kindness, but pursued the poor and needy, and the brokenhearted to put them to death. He loved to curse, let curses come upon him. He did not delight in blessing, may it be far from him. He clothed himself with cursing as his coat, may it soak into his body like water, like oil into his bones. May it be like a garment that he wraps around him, like a belt that he puts on every day. May this be the reward of my accusers from the Lord, of those who speak evil against my life. But you, O God, my Lord, deal on my behalf for your name's sake. Because your steadfast love is good, deliver me, for I am poor and needy, and my heart is stricken within me. I am gone like a shadow at evening, I am shaken off like a locust. My knees are weak through fasting. My body has become gaunt with no fat. I am an object of scorn to my accusers. When they see me, they wag their heads. Help me, O Lord my God. Save me according to your steadfast love. Let them know that this is your hand. You, O Lord, have done it. Let them curse, but you will bless. They arise and are put to shame, but your servant will be glad. May my accusers be clothed with dishonor. May they be wrapped in their own shame as in a cloak. With my mouth I will give thanks to the Lord. I will praise him in the midst of the throng. For he stands at the right hand of the needy one to save him from those who condemn his soul to death. Psalm 109. And hopefully that psalm will become clearer to you as we look at the imprecatory psalms uh, in our service of the word tonight. 
Once again this evening, we have the great privilege of, although we are spread apart, joining our hearts together in a time of prayer. Let's come before God's throne of grace. Lord our God, great and glorious, once again tonight, you give us the great privilege of coming to you in prayer. For Lord, to whom else shall we go? You are the creator of the heavens and the earth. You are the great deliverer of your people. We have seen that in the past, how you have always cared for your own. You gave the promise of salvation already back in the Garden of Eden to Adam and Eve. We know of your work of deliverance for your servant Abraham, for your blessings for your people throughout the kingship, the warnings you gave through the prophets. You continue to watch over and guard your people, O Lord. And as you have done that in the past, so you do in the present. You continue to watch over and to care for us through your word and by your spirit. We thank you, O God, that no matter what happens in this world, we are not out of your sight. No matter what takes place around us, you know us, you love us, and you care for us. Thank you for that wonderful assurance. We thank you, O God, for the privilege of worshiping you. And although we do so in an irregular way tonight, we do recognize the blessing we have of modern technology. We pray that it would all work well this evening, that through live stream, we might be drawn closer to you. We might grow in our appreciation of who you are, the God of mercy and the God of justice. Lord God, help us truly to, to be in awe of your greatness, your majesty, and your glory. We thank you, O God, for the many blessings you do give to us. We thank you for the blessing of family. We thank you for the beauty of marriage, that glorious picture given to us in Christ and his church. Lord God, bless the marriages within our congregation. May they be strong in you as we seek to follow the model that Christ has given to us. We pray for the children in our congregation. This is certainly a uh, different time for them, uh, not being able to go to their regular day schooling. Uh, we pray, O oh God, that as they continue to uh, be instructed at home, that you would bless them, that you would bless those who give that instruction, um, even if it is a challenge at times. Uh, help this to be a wonderful time, O oh God that we have to spend with our children and teach them the glories of who you are and the glories of your world and the structure and the beauty you have placed there. Um, uphold those who continue to give instruction at this time. We pray, O oh God, for those who continue to work. We think of uh, law enforcement and we think of first responders. We think of doctors and of nurses. Uh, we ask for your blessing and your care over each of them that you would keep them from getting sick, that you would allow them to continue to do, to do their work, uh, to keep us safe, uh, to keep the rule of law going. Uh, help us, O oh God, to recognize that these are gifts from you to help for an orderly society. We pray, O oh God, once again for our nation's leaders, for our state leaders, for our local leaders, 
Uh, we ask you would lead them in ways of wisdom. Uh, may they seek to do that which is uh, best, and in doing so, they will honor the authority you have given to them. Lord God, we, we pray for those who are closer to us. Um, although we, uh, we are disconnected in ways, we still are joined in heart and mind. And so we lift before you Florence, we ask you to watch over and bless her as she's been having difficulties, uh, physical difficulties, health difficulties. We pray for Margaret. We ask you to be near unto her and Bob. We pray for Art and for Jenny. Um, care for them in a particular way. We pray for those who are in uh, Inland Home and other uh, similar homes, uh, those who are not allowed to get out or allowed to have visitors, and even some uh, being told to stay in their own rooms, no contact with each other. Lord God, we pray that you would keep loneliness far from them, that you would keep them from being anxious or depressed, uh, that even in this time, uh, you would remind them that you are always a God who is near to his people, near to the faint-hearted, and you will uphold and strengthen us when we turn to you. So we ask for that blessing as well, O oh God. We think of your work around the world, and we pray for our brother, Reverend Andrew Sprinsma, as he serves as a chaplain in the Army. We pray for his uh, work currently at Fort Bragg, uh, the counseling and work that he does there, and as he prepares for a move uh, this coming summer, we ask that that would go well for him and for his family, that you continue to use him uh, in a mighty and powerful way in the armed forces to be a witness to the truth of the gospel. Uh, we think of those whom we know, uh, Nicholas Paul and Trevor Daglish, uh, serving in the military. Watch over and bless each of them. Lord God, thank you that tonight, once again, we might gather around your holy word. And as we approach that word, a text which is... Um, difficult for us this evening. We pray that you would give us open hearts and open ears uh, to see the beauty and the truth you've given to us. May, may we see the glory of Jesus Christ, uh, what he has done for us, the glory of the gospel. May we rejoice that in all parts of your word you reveal who you are and your work to reconcile man unto you, that you are a God of love and mercy, you are a God of justice as well. We want to pray this tonight, Lord God, in particular uh, for the work of Ligonier Ministries as we have the opportunity to give our tithes and offerings for that ministry. We thank you for that outreach, uh, which does stretch across the country and around the globe in the many um, uh, videos and other resources they have made available. We pray for those who teach. We pray for the board of directors. We pray for Dr. Godfrey as chairman of that board, that you would bless them as they give direction uh, to Ligonier Ministries, that they might continue to bear faithful witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we ask, O oh God, that you would hear us as we pray to you, for we come to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Our offerings for this Sunday evening are for the work of Ligonier Ministries. May God bless that ministry and the offerings that we bring. One of the things I miss is the... Uh, 
time to readjust my notes uh, while we're singing, so I'm getting used to that as well. Uh, Before we look at God's Word tonight, uh, I'm going to read for you uh, song number 106 in the Psalter hymnal. This is a setting of Psalm 58, the psalm we're going to look at tonight. I'm going to read the four verses of number 106 in the Psalter hymnal. Do ye, O men, speak righteousness and upright judgment meet? Nay, in your hearts is wickedness and in your hands deceit. The wicked from their earliest days in sin are gone astray. With froward heart, in foolish pride, from wisdom turned away. The God of vengeance will destroy the wicked from his sight. The Lord will bring to naught their power and scatter all their might. The good shall triumph and rejoice, and this shall be confessed. On earth the God of justice reigns, and righteousness is blessed. Number 106 in the Psalter hymnal. Tonight, God's word comes to us from Psalm 58. Psalm 58, I encourage you to turn there at this point as I'll be reading the 11 verses of this psalm. Psalm 58, Psalm of David. Do you indeed decree what is right, you gods? Do you judge the children of man uprightly? No, in your hearts you devise wrongs. Your hands deal out violence on earth. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth, speaking lies. They have venom like the venom of a serpent, like the deaf adder that stops its ear, so it does not hear the voice of charmers or of the cunning enchanter. O God, break the teeth in their mouths. Tear out the fangs of the young lions, O Lord. Let let them vanish like water that runs away. When he aims his arrows, let them be blunted. Let them be like the snail that dissolves into slime, like the stillborn child who never sees the sun. Sooner than your pots can feel the heat of thorns, whether green or ablaze, may he sweep them away. The righteous will rejoice when he sees the vengeance. He will bathe his feet in the blood of the wicked. Mankind will say, Surely there is a reward for the righteous. Surely there is a God who judges on earth. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, we are nearing the end of our series on the book of Psalms. Uh, We have looked at a number of types of psalms together, the three main types of psalms, hymns and laments and songs of thanksgiving. We have looked at the subtypes of psalms and last time at a messianic or kingship psalm. 
There is one type of psalm we have not looked at yet, and that is the imprecatory psalm. Children, an imprecatory psalm is a psalm which pronounces a curse on someone. Now I have, as I have the last number of weeks on the, on the outline, listed a number of the imprecatory psalms. Psalm 35, Psalm 58, 59, 69, 83, 109, 137. But that list perhaps is a bit deceptive in that while those are whole psalms of imprecation, there are imprecations found throughout the Psalter. Already in Psalm 3, verse 7, we read, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek, you break the teeth of the wicked. Psalm 5. Make them bear their guilt, O God, let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out, for they have rebelled against you. Uh, that psalm that I just read a few minutes ago, Psalm 109, these, these, these terrible words. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. May he die. May his children wander about and beg, seeking food far from the ruins they inhabit. May the creditors seize all that he has. May strangers plunder the fruits of his toil. Let there be none to extend kindness to him, nor any to pity his fatherless children. May his posterity be cut off. May his name be blotted out in the second generation. May even his children die. May the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord, and let not the sin of his mother be blotted out. Let them be before the Lord continually, that he may cut off the memory of them from the earth. An imprecation, a curse. Probably one of the harshest imprecations in the Psalter from Psalm 137, verse 8 and 9. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed, Blessed shall he be who repays you with what you have done to us. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. An imprecation, a curse in the Psalter. Perhaps for many of us, the beauty of Psalm 139 is somewhat tainted by the ending. Psalm 139, that beautiful psalm about how God knows us, cares for us, watches over us at all times. And then in the midst of that beauty, near the end of the psalm, we read this. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. What do we do with psalms like this? What do we do with these harsh images, these bitter words? 
And I would suggest the way we answer that question has to do with the greater question. How do we deal with the Bible in general? We talked about that somewhat this morning. How do we, do, how do we deal with the Bible in general? We have to remind ourselves that we do not sit in judgment upon the Word of God. The Word of God sits in judgment upon us. It's not for us to decide what we like in Scripture and what we don't like in Scripture. And so when we come to a psalm like Psalm 58 or Psalm 109 or Psalm 137, we may not ignore these psalms. We may not dismiss these psalms. We have to ask ourselves, why did the Holy Spirit see fit to include these psalms in the songbook of God's people, in the Psalter? The question is not, if we should use them. The question is, how we should use them. Tonight, we look at an imprecatory psalm, Psalm 58. And we certainly acknowledge uh, this prayer is a harsh prayer. But who, who is being prayed against? Against whom is the imprecation coming? Verse 1. Do you indeed decree what is right, you gods? Now, when the psalmist says you gods here, he's actually referring to the human rulers of the day. Do you judge the children of man uprightly, those who were not following justice, but the wicked who were rising up to oppress the people of God? Verse 2, no, in your hearts you devise wrongs. Your hands deal out violence on earth. They think of ways in which they can oppress God's people. That's who's being spoken against. Verse 3, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth speaking lies. They've always been this way. They have given themselves and set their lives against God and against his people. The imprecation is not just against someone who is bothering us, someone who is annoying, but someone who has set themselves deliberately against God and against his people. That's that's the one whom the harsh prayer is being prayed toward about. How are they described? What do they do? Verse 4. They have venom like the venom of a serpent. Children, you know that snakes are often associated with evil, with wickedness. These are the people we're talking about. Those who are like a serpent. Those who have venom. Those who would strike and kill others. Verse, uh, rest of verse 4, they go uh, the, the, like the deaf adder that stops its ear so that it does not hear the voice of charmers or the cunning enchanter. Like, a, like an adder which will not be charmed. When I read that, I, I get this image in my mind of uh, someone you know, sitting uh, cross-legged and there's a big basket in front of him and he's playing a little flute and this, this snake comes up and he kind of responds to the flute and he's being charmed by the charmer. He says, they're not, they're not like that. 
Not like those who can be charmed or tamed, but they stop their ears. They won't listen even to the voice of the charmer. They will not be constrained by anything. This is the nature of the wicked. Again, going on from verse 7. Let them vanish. Oh, go, go to verse, verse 6 first. O God, break the teeth in their mouth, tear out the fangs of the young lions, O Lord. The picture changes just a bit. Now from those that are crafty like snakes to those who are vicious, powerful, predatory like lions. Break the teeth in their mouths, the psalmist says. He says, let them vanish like water that runs away. Again, in the context of the desert, when you're in the desert and you, it's a hot day out and you, you pour out a little water on the ground, it dissipates right away. That's what the psalmist says. Let them, let them come to nothing. Like pouring water out in the desert. It just is gone as soon as it hits the ground. That's what the psalmist is praying for. He says in verse 7b, when he aims his arrows, let them be blunted. Make his weapons not work. He wants to try something. He wants to, uh, to be vengeful against God's people. Make his arrows blunted. Confound his words. Confound his works. Don't let him accomplish his purpose. Beyond that, verse 8, let them be like the snail that dissolves into slime like the stillborn child who never sees the sun. Don't let them even come to life, David prays. May they be dead before they were born. Verse 9, Sooner than your pots can feel the heat of thorns, whether green or ablaze, may he sweep them away. What's the picture going on here? The pots and the heat of the thorns, whether green or ablaze. Well, when they were going to, to uh, fire pots in a kiln, they would use different types of, uh, of, uh, of wood, either green wood or dry wood, depending on the heat of the, of the flame they needed. And he says, it doesn't matter. Before these pots even get to the kiln, before your pots can feel the heat of the thorns, whether green thorns or ablaze thorns, let them be swept away. This is the... The harsh prayer that David prays. A harsh prayer, a vivid prayer. Pictures that are, are, are hard for us even to imagine or get our brain around. What do we do with this portion of God's Word? If you consult many commentaries, they will call these psalms sub-Christian. They will say they are psalms for a different time and a different place. They should have no standing in the church at all, and even if possible, we would excise them from the Bible. They are sub-Christian. And there are some, some suggestions made as to why that is, how we, how we understand that these are for a different time, a different place. Some suggest these are not for us today because we live in the New Testament era. These Psalms were written in the Old Testament era, and they will suggest that the Old Testament God, 
was a God of wrath and a God of vengeance. So for that era, these made sense. But we live in the New Testament. And the New Testament God is a God of love and a God of mercy. I hope even as I say that, you would say, but, but, but God does not change. God is the same, the same God in the Old Testament as the God in the New Testament. And he is both. He is both loving and he is wrathful. And we see that in both Testaments. Certainly in the Old Testament, we do see God expressing his wrath as, as um, Israel is in captivity in Egypt, God brings plagues upon the Egyptians, an evidence of his judgment upon them. As, as Israel is taken out and brought through the sea, the sea falls in on the Egyptians and they are drowned, evidence of God's judgment. And we even see as, as, as Israel enters into the promised land, they completely destroy Jericho. God, a God of judgment, a God of wrath. But he is also a God of mercy in the Old Testament. And we see that right away in the scriptures. I think we talked about this last time or the time before. Already in the Garden of Eden, God makes clothing for his fallen children and evidence of his mercy, his love toward them. God will, will call Abraham out of idolatry to be his own people, an evidence of God's mercy. And certainly as Israel enters into the land of Canaan, they encounter Rahab. She is not destroyed, but she is brought in the people of God. The Old Testament God certainly was a God of mercy. The New Testament God is also a God of mercy. We see that expressed in, uh, in the work of Jesus Christ. How Jesus comes and he has the blind see, he has the lame walk, he raises the dead. He heals the sick. He feeds those who are hungry. The mercy of Jesus Christ, the mercy of God. And of course, that mercy <clears throat> manifest on the cross of Calvary. As Christ hangs there in our stead, the love and mercy of God seen in the work, the ministry of Jesus Christ. But that same Christ also manifests God's justice and his vengeance. In Matthew 23, we read there the words of Jesus. I'm reading from verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves, nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell 
as yourselves. This is Jesus, meek and mild Jesus, with this imprecation. Genesis 23 is filled with woes against those who would stand against God. From verse 27, Woe to you, scribes and hypocrites, and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So also you outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Verse 33, you serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? In the New Testament, we see the wrath of God, the judgment of God. We see that in the letters of Paul. As Paul writes the Galatian church, he says in Galatians chapter 1, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As I have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed, an imprecation against those who would bring a false gospel. And of course we know in Hebrews chapter 12, God says he is a consuming fire in the New Testament. That is the language. No, these are not a sub Christian prayer. God is one God, both loving and wrathful. There are some that say this, uh, these prayers contradict the teaching of Jesus. Jesus came and taught to love our enemies. From Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And of course, that's exactly what Jesus did. As he is hanging on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. These are obviously in a, a contradictory to the imprecatory psalms. Well, again, this reaches back to our sermon this morning. Children, are there any contradictions in the Word of God? We know there are not. The Bible speaks with one voice, for it has one author. We do not sit in judgment on the Bible. It sits in judgment upon us. No, these are not a sub-Christian prayer, but they are a prayer for Christians, for Christians today. Remember, who is it that is speaking the imprecation. Who is speaking in Psalm 58? It is David. It is David the king. It is David God's anointed. And David is not here praying a personal prayer of vengeance against those who are annoying him or troubling him. 
His prayer as God's anointed is against God's enemies. They manifest that toward God's anointed David, but his prayer is against God's enemies and those who would challenge God's kingdom. Those who would stand against God and his righteous rule. Those are the ones who are being spoken of in the imprecation. And we see that probably the most clearly in Psalm 139, where at the end of that psalm, we read this, Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. They are your enemies, but I will count them as mine. This is, is those who are being cursed in the imprecation, not personal vengeance. We're told not to take personal vengeance. It is a prayer against God's enemies. It is a prayer against those who would challenge the kingdom of God and rise up against that kingdom to try to overthrow God who sits on the throne. And that, 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 that language of opposing those who would oppose God is not unfamiliar to us, particularly for those who have grown up under the instruction of the Heidelberg Catechism. The Catechism deals with the Lord's Prayer. And in Lord's Day 48, the Catechism deals with the request, Thy kingdom come. What do we mean when we pray, Thy kingdom come? Question 123. What does the second request mean? Thy kingdom come means, rule us by your word and spirit in such a way that more and more we submit to you. Keep your church strong and add to it. Destroy the devil's work. Destroy every force which revolts against you and every conspiracy against your word. Every time we take the Lord's prayer on our lips we are, and we pray, thy kingdom come, we are praying, destroy the devil's work. Destroy any force, anything that comes against you. So it is not a sub-Christian prayer, it is a Christian prayer. A prayer that God's kingdom would grow and advance and anything against it, the arrows would be blunted. And so for us, it's not only a Christian prayer, it is a necessary prayer. Especially today. Especially in our time for those who would challenge the authority of God. For Satan and his dominion. For those who would, who would rise up against God's established kingdom as the kingdom of darkness seeks to prevail we pray that their arrows would be blunted, their weapons unusable. They would not accomplish their purpose. A necessary prayer for us today. Now, how are the arrows blunted? 
And we pray against those who would come against God's kingdom. And we pray, let their work come to nothing. Let their arrows be blunted. Remember, God does that in two different ways. Not only through destruction, but God blunts the arrows of the wicked through conversion. That those who would stand militant against the kingdom of God would have their hearts softened, would embrace Jesus Christ, would recognize his kingship. That is the blunting of the arrows. And we see that so clearly in the Apostle Paul. Remember, children, his name was Saul before. He was someone who was persecuting the church, who was standing against God and against his people. And he is arrested by God, and God converts him, changes him. <clears throat> and he becomes not only a believer, but he becomes one of the greatest missionaries of all time, bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. God blunted his arrows by conversion. And we praise God when that happens. Today, as we see forces rising up against the church, rising up against God, rising up against his kingdom, our prayer is that their arrows would be blunted, that, that God-haters would become God-lovers. And we know God still does do that today. We know he still converts the hearts of those who would stand against him. We know that because we have seen it in our own lives. Left to ourselves, we would take our stand against God and his kingdom. But he, in his love and his mercy, has sent his Holy Spirit to change our hearts from hearts of stone to hearts of flesh, our arrows blunted by the work of the Holy Spirit. And we brought in to that glorious people, that glorious kingdom, and made part of that wonderful crowd and throng that brings praise to the king. That's, that's our prayer, unnecessary prayer, that God continue to blunt the arrows of the wicked by conversion. God does that tonight as the gospel goes out from this pulpit, as the gospel goes out from other pulpits, across the airwaves, across the internet. He calls you, if you are living in rebellion against him, to put down your weapons, for they will be blunted. That the work of Jesus Christ by his spirit might embrace your heart and give you that, that recognition that no one can stand against such a great king. And you would fall down before him, confessing your sin and confessing Jesus Christ as your only hope for salvation, a necessary prayer for us today, that God would blunt the arrows of the wicked by conversion. And if not by conversion, then God would do so by condemnation, because he is a God of mercy, and he is a God of justice. And he is perfectly both. 
We don't drive a wedge between the two. Oh, he's merciful in this testament, he's just judgment in this testament. No, he is merciful and he is just. And in his mercy, he receives the praise. And in his justice, he receives the praise. That's why this psalm ends, verse 10. The righteous will rejoice when he sees the vengeance. When God shows himself to be the just God that he is, when he condemns those who have taken their stand against them, even the righteous rejoice in that. Proverbs 16 verse 4 says this, The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked, for the day of trouble. When God manifests his mercy, we praise him. When God manifests his justice, even then, we praise him. He is both loving and merciful. He is righteous and he is just. The imprecatory psalms uh, remind us of the fullness of God's character. The imprecatory psalms, probably not the first text we would turn to when asked to give a devotion, but they are, as the rest of Scripture, the Word of God. Not a word of personal vengeance, but a word against those who would attack God's kingdom. And a prayer that God would do His work. That either through conversion or through condemnation, God's kingdom was continued to grow and advance. Both of these ways bring praise to Him. May we use these psalms, these awful psalms, these terrible psalms, may we use these psalms in the way God intended to bring him praise as a God of mercy and a God of justice. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we have spoken of difficult things this evening. These images from the Psalter, almost frightening to us. And we can understand how those with a low view of Scripture would say they are sub-Christian. But Lord God, it is your word we are dealing with. It is all profitable for us. And so we pray that you would help us to appropriately take these prayers on our lips, not ever in personal vengeance against those who come against us, praying for those who would rise up against you, that your kingdom would continue to advance, that their arrows would be blunted, that you would do so, God, in your mercy and your love by converting those who would stand against you. And if not, that you would show yourself to be just in the condemnation of the wicked. And we vow, O oh God, in all of this, to give you the praise that you so deserve. Hear our prayer, for Jesus' sake. Amen. I'm going to close tonight by reading a couple verses from number 124 in the Psalter. Number 124, this is a setting of Psalm 68. God shall arise 
and by his might put all his enemies to flight with shame and consternation. His haters, haughty though they be, shall at his august presence flee in utter desolation. For when Jehovah shall appear, he shall consume afar and near all those that evil cherish, as smoke before his dreadful ire, as wax is molten by the fire, so shall the wicked perish. But let the righteous, blessed of yore, joy in their God as ne'er before, faith's victory achieving. Their joy shall then unbounded be, who see God's face eternally, their heart's desire receiving. Exalt, Exalt the name of God. Sing ye his royal fame abroad with fervent exaltation. Cast up a highway smooth and wide that through the deserts he may ride. Jehovah, our salvation. Ye kings and kingdoms of the earth, extol Jehovah's matchless worth with psalms of adoration. Praise him whose glory rides on high, whose thunders roll through clouded sky with mighty intonation. Ascribe ye strength to God alone, whose worth in Israel is known, for whom the heavens tremble. O Lord, our strength to thee we bow, for great and terrible art thou out of thy holy temple. The vision of our God from Psalm 68. And now as we prepare to enter the week ahead of us, we do so under the blessing of a loving God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.